This episode has been sponsored by Connor Insurance, an auto owner's insurance company. Hi, this is Abby at Connor Insurance. There have been record amounts of rain all across the country this year. Most damage occurs when water backs up in your drains and basement fixtures. If you have a basement, you need to check the limit your policy provides for water backup. If you aren't sure how to check, just give me a call or visit us at connorins.com. Shepherd has been serving the children of Indianapolis and helping families for 34 years. We work to break the cycle of poverty on the near east side of Indianapolis because we love the children in our neighborhood. We are privileged to watch our neighbors grow physically, emotionally, spiritually, and academically through the relationships we build every day. Partnered with Shepherd by donating $34 to celebrate 34 years. Visit shepherdcommunity.org slash BLF to join us. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. Welcome back to another episode of the program where we get the opportunity to interview some of the most amazing Christ followers who are high-capacity leaders in business, uh, sometimes in sports and entertainment, but what these guests all have in common is their commitment to living out their faith on a daily basis in the marketplace. And you're listening to this program because you know that can be a lonely place to be as a follower of Christ, living out your faith in business and in leadership. So we hope today's program is going to inspire you and encourage you. And really, the the foundation here at Bottom Line Faith is what we're really doing is we're looking at that intersection of faith and business and life. In fact, we like to describe it as eternal business, real life. What does that look like while living to God's glory, solving the problems and issues we face in everyday life? I am so excited... We have, for the first time ever, somebody from the great state of Montana, and I'd like to uh, welcome to the program. He describes himself as a guy who went from being a farm boy to an entrepreneur. He's from Missoula, Montana, and I'd like to welcome to today's program Sid Graff. Sid, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. It is so awesome to uh, have you with us today. Uh, I am excited. Are you ready to get going? I'm ready. I've, I've been ready for a while. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> well, as as I mentioned in the kind of the introduction here, um, we're we're online here together, and you are in Missoula, Montana, and that sounds really cool. So tell us about Missoula, Montana. I think you're my first guest from Montana, by the way, here at Bottom Line Faith. Okay, great. I, when we first moved here, someone said, if you live here more than 10 years, they'll put your picture on the state flag, <laughs> simply because the population is so low out here. But um, Missoula is a, is a beautiful western mountain town, and uh, we actually came here 20 years ago um, this month, and we were doing some volunteer work for a ministry we used to be a part of, and they, it, was, it was pretty exciting. They used to, um, they, you, you train for a couple months to get ready, and then Everybody in the family got a suitcase and a sleeping bag, and they would say, the night before you left, they're like, Sid Graff, you and Denise and your family are going to Missoula, Montana. I'm like, where is that? Where is that? I've never, you know, like, pull out the map. And 48 hours later, we were here. So it's a pretty exciting, it was a, an exciting start to a great journey we've had. Here. So you've been there uh, 20 years, and and uh, tell, tell us then a little bit about, you know, in, in kind of the introduction we talked about, you were from farm boy to entrepreneur. What's, what's that all about? 
Yeah. So I, I grew up in Northwest Texas between Lubbock and Amarillo, a classic flatlander where it's just, it's, it's dirt and it's flatter than the ocean. And uh, I grew up very modestly. That's my euphemism for really poor. Um, <laughs> and my favorite, you know, my favorite toy as a kid was a spoon and a patch of dirt because that's really about all we had. I'm not exaggerating, but from there, um, you know, I went to university of Texas and I decided it'd be a great idea to drop out before my junior year and pursue a year traveling through Europe, chasing a beautiful woman. Um, I would say at the end of that story, it did work out really well. Um, she's been my wife for 26 years. And, but it was, uh, it, it was one of the, the, the time we spent in Europe was uh, a very formative and interesting time. We were actually homeless and broke almost the entire year. Um, I'll loop back around to something out of that in a minute. But when we, when we came back to the United States and settled in, we settled in Florida and I really didn't have a skill. I didn't have a degree. I, I'm just a good hard worker, a farm boy worker, work ethic. I'll work all day long. And, um, uh, my next door neighbor had a window cleaning business and I, I just had a hard time with a sales job and I quit it because of ethical reason. Everybody was greedy. What I thought. And I asked my neighbor, I said, Hey, could you show me how to clean windows? And he did. So I, next day I'm like, I'm in business. And I started knocking on doors and we ended up building, we built two rather successful window cleaning businesses from that very modest start. So now I have a business, we've got, you know, 20 so employees and, uh, and it's a different story. I'm not just firm way anymore. I love it. I love it. So one of the things that's really fun in, in my opportunity of, of hosting the show here at Bottom Line Faith is I get a chance to interview an incredible uh, diverse group of guests here on the program, ranging you know from founders of companies that are in multi-billion dollar enterprises to occasionally that uh, Christ follower who's in you know uh, entertainment, perhaps an actor, an athlete, those kinds of things. But we really focus primarily around individuals like yourself, entrepreneurs. You know, our audience is primarily business owners and leaders who are trying to live out their faith in the marketplace. So when we got connected, what what were your thoughts around being um, on the program here with us at Bottom Line Faith? What what kind of compelled you, and what was your point of interest with sharing your your journey with us? Yeah, honestly, when I when I first got the invitation, I looked at a list of people that you had interviewed and been on the show, and I and I thought very self consciously, I was like, why are you calling me? I mean, you've interviewed CEOs and founders, and you know a lot of really high performing, large impact people, and. Uh, and it, you know, it's often a, you know, a trick of the enemy is to get you to compare yourself to somebody else and go, Oh my God, I'm worthless. And I was like, I'm just a guy with, you know, a small business out in the mountains of Montana. And then it, it was literally at that moment. And it didn't even feel like it was my thought. It was like, that's why you're going to be on the show because you are living your faith in the marketplace every day. And you're just a guy that wants to make a difference right where you are. So maybe I'm more like your listeners than a lot of the people that you've interviewed. So thank you very much. For no, I thank thank you for that. That that is that is so spot on. That that is powerful and that's incredible. Um, we uh, one of our pr- previous guests, and there's kind of a thread of connection here. Uh, back I believe in September of 2018, uh, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Dayton Moore. Dayton is the general manager of the Kansas City Royals and very high profile position and. Mm-hmm very very pro uh, proactive and living out his faith and one of the things that stood out from that conversation with Dayton was he said that comparison is the enemy of God's greatness for us individually 
and uh, we've got a connection because you're you've got some programming for through some things that you're doing that's funded or been funded through the Kaufman Foundation, which the, yeah. is the ownership of the Kansas City Royals. So, in your experience, and and, and we've got our some of our um, mainline questions we'll get to, uh, Sid. But in your experience, what's the danger of comparison? You know, um, what you were just talking about. How how has that temptation of comparison shaped and affected your leadership and your walk with Christ in business? Oh, gosh. When when you compare yourself to someone else who is you know perceived as more successful than yourself and you feel less than because of it, you're automatically limiting God. You're limiting his ability to work in your life. You're limiting your own ability to move forward and do something for God to stand on the truth. It, it just, in my opinion, it just leads to fear. He's like, I'm not good enough. Well, that's a terrible terrible thought to have because, um, and I, one of the previous episodes of your show is one of my favorite verses in Ephesians where it says, for you are God's workmanship, create, you know, it's God's masterpiece. I'm like, how dare you think less of yourself than what God thinks of you? Yeah. You're God's masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I got connected through uh, a gentleman named Perry Marshall, who's really known as the 80-20 guy, right? And folks, if you haven't uh, heard that episode with Perry Marshall, I want to encourage you to check it out. It's amazing. Perry's one of the most fascinating men I've ever met on the planet. And so what is it about um, you really focus a lot of your efforts and a lot of your attention on this 80-20 area of concept. Would you just kind of address yeah. that, speak to that? What what does that question elicit in your mind? How, how would you respond to that? Just the whole 80-20 concept. Yeah, I think the 80-20 rule, you know, it's, it's kind of become, um, it's so commonly talked about that you kind of lose the meaning of it, but it's really about being effective more than efficient. It's like, how can I get, is the juice worth a squeeze? How can I get the most out of every moment or every business opportunity or whatever it is you're doing? without putting in so much effort that you grind yourself into dust. And, you know, because of Perry's work, I started the 80-20 service business, which is our show. Um, But it's, it's like most of the people in my industry, uh, Ray, they're, you know, I'm in the service business. Most of them are small players and they just work too hard. They try to work 20 hours a day and do everything under the sun. And there is a law of diminishing returns. So I try to coach people into get, you know, be more effective, do what really matters. And you can skip almost everything else. Just do the part that makes the most difference. Well, I love that. And I, I know you're interviewing entrepreneurs and, and getting those stories out and trying to celebrate those uh, examples. W- would you just share uh, the website or the best place we can, our, lis- our listeners can learn more about your show? Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, it's it's 8020servicebusiness.com. So 8020servicebusiness.com. Okay. 8020servicebusiness.com. So, uh, hey, uh, Bottom Line Faith Nation, check it out, because I know as you get to know Sid more on this conversation, you're going to learn more about his program as well. So, Sid, um, your faith is important to you. We're going to come back to that. It's critical and how you're living out your business and your leadership. But did you grow up in a Christian home, or just kind of a snapshot? How, how is it you came into uh, following Christ? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, going to church. It was a broken Christian home. My dad was an alcoholic and my parents were divorced early, uh, but I was surrounded by a lot of good people that loved us a lot. But it's interesting, uh, growing up in the denomination I did, we, we read the Old Testament, we read the Gospels and nothing else. So like the, the, uh, the epistles were kind of forbidden territory. Huh. It was very fascinating. 
Um, and uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, I chased a beautiful woman through Europe. Well, we ended up um, one day sitting on the walls of ancient Corinth. So we're, we're up at the top. Nobody was there. It was an off season. And just the two of us sitting on a wall, looking out at the sea. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a history buff. I was like, I can't believe I'm in Corinth, in this ancient city. And I said, isn't there something in the Bible about Corinth? And my wife, my future wife, literally backhanded me in the chest. She's like, you're kidding. Like, try first and second Corinthians. Maybe you should read the book of Acts. I'm like, we never read that as a kid. We, I mean, they wouldn't open those books for us. And that moment, I was like, I've got to read that. Well, I was reading from purely academic standpoint. Like, I want to know what it said because I'm here. It's history. And I started reading it. And I had those moments where I was like, oh, my God, I needed to know this. Like, this is critical for my life. And they, they never taught us. And, you know, of course, and then the whole epistles that we began to open that. And that was really the beginning of my journey as, as a Christian. Yes, I grew up in it, but I didn't know anything. Yeah. I mean, and I really didn't have a grasp on it. So. Okay. Well, that, that's, thank you. That's very fascinating. And, and so as, since so actually a perfect segue into kind of the next section of questions I'd like to go down, and that's about the living out our faith in the marketplace. You know, and in each conversation that we have here at Bottom Line Faith, we like to get in some of the the practical application of our Christian faith in, in in business and in the marketplace. So what what's maybe a, a principle or two that you have really latched onto and leveraged in your leadership and as you've grown your own companies in the marketplace? What are those biblical principles that really are foundational to you? Wow. I love this question. It was really difficult for me to think about it, but it, it really stems from... Um, in, inscribed on my great grandfather's tombstone is the words, his word was his bond. And of course that's based biblically in just in keeping your word. It's like, you just tell the truth. You say what you mean, you mean what you say and you do it. And that plus, and maybe we'll get into the backstory of this. Uh, another key principle for me is that God wants us to prosper. That I didn't grow up that way. I grew up thinking that God wants you to be poor because that's the only way you can deserve to go to heaven, um, which is a pretty limiting belief, by the way. Yeah. Okay. So the, those, the, and I'm, I'm taking notes as well, and I love to do that here. So really, uh, the two that you've shared that are really critical and foundational for you is the importance of keeping your word, that, that integrity um, mm -hmm. in the marketplace, and then God wants us to prosper. So why don't you unpack that second one a little bit more about the whole, um, you know, there's there's different theology out there, quote-unquote yeah. prosperity gospel, poverty gospel, those kinds of things. So when you make that as a foundational principle for you, what does that mean for you in your leadership in the marketplace? So oh, cool. I'll, I'll tell you a little anecdotal story. When I was about five years old, um, I was sitting at the kitchen table in my grandmother's house, and one of the things we loved to do before Christmas, like, was... was to read the Sears catalog. This was pre-internet, right? So it was a paper internet. And I was looking through catalog and I was telling my grandma, I was like, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want to be rich so I can have all this stuff. And she turns around and says, Sonny bud, it's harder for a rich man to enter the gates of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle. And, and I was like, oh, for a five-year-old, the way we were raised, I was like, I want to go to heaven, but how am I ever going to get this camel through a needle? And mentally I'm plucking hairs and shoving them through the eye of a sewing needle. Now understand that's, that's not what that means. There are manners and customs of Bible, but to a five-year-old, that's all it meant. It was like, it was really, it's like, you should forget it. You, you need to be poor so you can enter the kingdom. And it wasn't until decades later, 
till I read things in the scripture, like third uh, John two, beloved, I wish above all things that thou would prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Like, wait a second, how can it be that, you know, my mentally, I thought God wants us to be poor. How can he say he passionately desires for us to prosper? And I started to dig into that and understand, you know, the, the principles of, you know, if you sow abundantly, you reap abundantly. And some of the wealthiest men throughout the course of history, from Solomon to David to, you know, to um, Abraham, they were God's men and they were wealthy. I'm like, aha, there's some clues here. We could go a lot deeper, but that, that was the beginning. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not money that's a bad thing. Maybe it's people's attitudes toward money or greed or avarice or things like that. It. I love it. That, that, is, that is really good. That's, that is spot on. So, so how does that play then um, to maybe some of the difficult times you've been through? We, we, we're all on this journey together in life and in our spiritual journey and, of course, in business. Um, maybe share a, a low, maybe share a difficult time that you've had in business and specifically, Sid, how your faith brought you through. Okay. Uh, how far do you want to go? I'm kidding. There's a lot of these. <laughs> There's there was one primary one. We, you know, I mentioned we started a, a business in Florida. We sold that and did volunteer work. And I said, and we were in a, a nice position. I said, I'm going to start a new business, new industry. I didn't do a lot of homework, but I'm, I was a good salesperson at the time. Yep. And uh, I found something that I could sell. And I, I oversold the company's capacity to deliver. And that what happened was the it took off like a rocket and then immediately went in the toilet. Well, several months later, so we, I made a, a lot of money. And just a few months later, they you know the the company would not back up the product that I was selling, and it was a very difficult spot for me because I'd already been paid my commissions, but people would contact me and they're yeah. like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And so I began to refund customers' entire purchase out of my own pocket. And I did so because I just believed it was right. I was like, it's honest. I sold you this. The company won't back it, but I will. And we gave refunds until my wife and three children and I were $80,000 in debt and on the doorstep of bankruptcy. And we we had to, we literally started over from mm. not even scratch, from below the bottom. We went on, on a, a mac and cheese diet for several months. That was exciting. And but it, But the cool thing was, you know, is that as you're faithful, it's like God always delivers. God's track record for delivery is a hundred percent. And so I just, I mean, that was incredibly formative to our business to just to go, no matter how bad the consequence may be, you've got to do what is right and honest and true. God, God's got your back. Well, that, that is an, an absolutely powerful story and a great example. So I, I just want to, I want to unpack that just a little bit more, if you don't mind. So I don't know what the numbers are. That's not the, the critical point for this conversation. But let's just say, as I listened and heard that, let's say you sell a $100 item, you're getting 30%, 20%, whatever your commission was, the company or the vendor supplier is not providing what has been sold, what's been promised. You went then and provided the full $100 refund out of your own pocket. Did I catch that part right in, in that That's example? Correct. All right. Yeah. And, and at personal cost, at, at personal sacrifice, um, as you said, you had a lot of macaroni and cheese dinners. In that part, in that part of your business career, as you look back, Sid, what would you have done differently to either prevent that situation or 
what would you have done differently to address that situation, knowing what you know now? Yeah, the, the, the challenge with the whole business I went into is one, I didn't do due diligence. So I didn't really understand the people I was selling for and their ethics. But also my primary motivation was how can I make money? It was not how can I serve or who can I help? I was like, oh, wow, this is a big commission. I can make a lot of money. Uh, that had never been my motive before, but I gave it a test run. And I could say it didn't go so well, but I did learn a lot. <laughs> exactly. And so um, ha, ha, with that lesson, with that foundation then, that really checking your primary motivation, how does that shape how you do business now? You've got different companies now, different businesses. How does that principle or foundational issue shape your, your approach to business now? Yeah, it, it really informs it based on just how much can I give? How much can I serve? I, I always strive to over deliver in the category of value in, in our in our small industry in our thing. We're probably the highest price um, vendor in our area. But our goal is always like if we sell it for 100, we got to deliver $200 worth of value. If you know, that's that's my motivator is like, how can I make a difference for this person? How can I help ease their pain, solve their problem, and over deliver more than their pain? Yeah. Out there in Montana, do you guys have Chick-fil-A? There is one Chick-fil-A about a hundred miles north of us in the state, to my knowledge. So you gotta really be hungry for a chicken sandwich, right? <laughs> the, re the, the reason I'm asking that is I was hearing you share, you know, providing that double value, you know, yeah. for a hundred dollar price point to provide two hundred dollars of value. Uh, I remember in a conversation I had with Dan Cathy, who's the CEO of Chick-fil-A, you know, Cathy yeah. family found it. That's out of Matthew chapter five. They, they talked that second mile service that, uh, what they did was they went out that the average at the time, the average ticket price for a transaction, uh, a meal at Chick-fil-A was $6, I think and 50 cents, something like that. And they mm -hmm. went out and they studied restaurants that provide that their average ticket price was $25. And they began to ask the question, how can we provide a $25 experience for our customers at $6.50? And wow. that really helped to transform. And he based that on Matthew chapter five, where Jesus said, you know, if you're asked to walk a mile, go the second. That's why they call it second mile service. Yeah. So what I'd like you to do is I want you to offer a word of encouragement right now. So to our audience, I just kind of wanted to have you give a word of encouragement. Say somebody's listening to our conversation and they're wrestling with, they're struggling with, or they're researching how I can do just that, how I can provide 2x of value yeah. versus my price point. What have you found to be critical, maybe a, a question or two, or a practical application or two? So what would you say to someone listening wanting to provide 2x value? So this has come from perspective of a small service business, something that's hands-on. And one of the ways we, we literally incorporated this is when my technicians will finish a job. I mean, they're, they're hired to come out and clean windows at someone's home. When they finish, we're standing there, we have ladders, we have equipment, and we go, Mrs. Johnson, is there anything else we could do for you before we leave? Do you need any light bulbs changed? Do you want to mm -hmm. dust the ceiling fan? And all of that was, we, we're like, we don't charge extra for that. We're just trying to help. I always, wow. literally, I would think about, I think about my mom, she's 80. I'm like, she can't dust above the shelves up there. Could we just do that for you real quick? And, and it's never a problem. And people are, most people say, no, we don't need anything, but the perceived value is huge. They're like, oh my gosh, these guys are willing to do 
whatever it takes. And, but the people that we do help, whether it's is changing that high light bulb or getting a cat off the roof, which has happened, <laughs> then then they're, they're, they, um, they bond with us. They bond with our company because we're doing something without asking a return. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm chasing this rabbit right on down. This isn't a rabbit trail. This is just a, a, a good rabbit to chase. Um, how then on the front end do you find workers and employees, team members, how do you find them and train them to have that kind of mindset? Because we live in our culture today. Yeah. That's not the norm. The norm is do what you're supposed to do, get out, move on to the next. Um, how, does, how do you do that? Right. That, that actually has been a real challenge. It's funny. I used to not search for people with that character trait. I would try to train it. And I would have my guys would go, they would like, come on. They're not paying us anything. We need to get out of here. Exactly what you're saying. They're not bad guys. They're just used to, you know, this is the exchange. Like how much can I get for how little can I give, which is in reverse. But, but now when we hire and screen, I mean, from the first ad that people read, it touches on our core values mm. and if, our, if they don't align with the core values, hopefully they just don't self-select. But then we get into you know the, the screening process, the interview process. We're very clear about this is what we stand for. This is what we do in the community. This is how we want to make a difference. We never mention Bible or a verse or Christianity. But if you heard you know our interview, you would go, oh, yeah, that's you would you'd be able to quote scripture that goes right along with the principles. And then most of the time, the people that if they don't align, they just go, oh, this isn't for me. And if they do go ahead, even if they don't align, if they join the company, we go, hey, we weren't kidding about that in the interview. This is how we do it. This is how we live. And if it just doesn't jive with them, then we we part ways. And so in the case, um, let's say I am seeing that first ad in, in of your company. How are you communicating that as a principle or as a core value? What, what kind of what's the wording behind that? Or how do you in, in, in communicate that? Yeah. One of the things we do, for example, in our ad, it might say, you know, we really are the most fun company you can work for in town. We also believe in community. We have a commitment to community. We volunteer in the community. We, you know, I donate my money, my time to the children's shelter, to the children's theater, things like that. If that sort of thing appeals to you, you should come and join us. And that that's how we, we don't do a, I want to repel you. We go, if you like that stuff, come play in our sandbox because it's a lot of fun. And the people that are attracted to it are just attracted to it. I love it. That, that's reminding me of a conversation we had here recently with a with a, a fellow named uh, Jason Davis, who's a top top um, music uh, executive, and he he has a firm commitment to not produce anything, uh, any videos, any music that has um, sexual language or innuendo in it, any vulgarity, any violence or anything. He said, "Look, in this industry, we have an opportunity to either uh, develop." wholesome thoughts and minds for millions of young people or destroy them. And I want to be a builder, not a tear down. And so when he's communicating with big time artists, I mean, big time secular artists, he tells them, here's what I'm for. Here's what I'm about. You can choose to do, have me on this project or not. But if you have me, this is who we are. This is what I stand for. That's what I'm hearing from you is you don't have to go to the negative. You just communicate who you are, what you stand for, and then the right people will be attracted. Did, did I catch that about right? That's very accurate. And and honestly, at least in my experience, I'm you know the experiment of one person. One of the hardest things to do is decide who you are yeah. and what you're going to stand for, no matter what. I've got to tell a, a tiny story, if you don't mind. Please. 
during our time when we were in in Europe, and we literally were homeless, Ray. We we had no money. We'd spend our last ten dollars to get from Athens, Greece, down to Crete for a promised job. We get to this job. My my wife was very lovely. They hired her to work as a bartender in this tourist bar, and little did we know that part of the culture at the time was the the bartenders. They wanted beautiful women there because men would come in to drink with them and the guy would buy a drink for the bartender. And they said, you have to drink with the guests. It's like, I'm not going to drink with the guests. And, you know, we, so they, you know, we had a little loggerheads there three day, three days into the job we had, they provided a place to stay $5 a day and a meal. So we're completely dependent on these, these people. Uh, three days in Aliki says to my wife and I said, let me show you where we cheat the people. And we're like, what, what? And she said, this is how we cheat the people. What they would do is they had two shelves of uh, of liquor on the wall. They looked identical, but she said, if if it's a Greek, you pour from this shelf. If they're tourists, pour from this shelf. I'm like, well, I don't understand the difference. It's the same bottles. Well, in the back room, they had an operation where they'd pour garbage liquor into a, a you know a premium liquor bottle. And we're like, oh my gosh. And my wife said, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, Denise, we have to. Like, we're we are so far from Western civilization. We don't have any money. We can't get back. And we are stuck. You have to. And she said, I'm not doing it because it's wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, this was in the early days for me as a believer. And I was I like, I'm willing to sacrifice my belief in everything so I can eat. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't do it. And uh, in, in our, quote, exit interview, uh, Aliki literally said to my wife, she said, Denise, I admire you so much. You have morals, but I have no morals. And we walked out of there with no place to go, 10 cents in our pocket. And we're like... I don't know what we're going to do, but that was the moment when it was like driving a stake in the ground for what you believe is true that led to a very intimate and very powerful uh, experience of God's deliverance. That's a story for another day because it's a big story. That's incredible. And so, um, you know, as we talk about here regularly, we're here to encourage. We're here to inspire Christ followers to live out their faith in the marketplace and to be the models for Jesus with our customers, vendors, employees, and so forth. So your story there, I think, is a great opportunity, Sid, and I'd like you to just take a moment now and offer a word of encouragement. Somebody's listening to this conversation right now, and you're speaking directly to them, and the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to them. They're being tempted to, because of financial challenges or whatever, they're they're being tempted to shortcut, they're being tempted to... Uh, maybe not go the extra mile or whatever. What word of encouragement would you have for that person right now who's like, Sid, you got to understand, I'm under this pressure, I've got this, I've got that. What would you say to encourage them to do the godly thing in that situation? And, and Ray, I've been there in such, you know, like living vivid color. The encouragement I give is you will never, ever regret doing what is right. You just won't. Because you, you've seen people, you know, people are homeless, people have challenges, but somehow we all manage to get through it. Yeah. So you look down the road two, three years when, you know, the mortgage is current, the rent's paid, you're fine. If you look back, you'll never regret having done the right thing, but you will have a regret for having cheated somebody so that you could get that next meal, et cetera. Well, we oh, haven't, we, thank you. We haven't talked about this, but it sounds to me like God had spoke to you to, to chase this wonderful woman across Europe for all the reasons that are now paying dividends all these years later. Is that fair to say? 
I, that is very fair. <laughs> I, I recently, I don't know if, <laughs> if this will make sense. Recently, I had somebody said, you know, that behind every successful man is a woman rolling her eyes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, she was just the woman that God had for you. Well, well, Sid, I'd like to kind of just transition in the remaining moments that we have is what I like to talk about is the, what I call advice and insights uh, section of, of each conversation. And uh, we've talked a little bit about that uh, season early in your career where you had uh, you didn't have to, but you chose to make a full refund to the customers out of your own pocket. But as you look back over the course of your business career, what would you say is the biggest mistake you made, and what did God teach you in the midst of that mistake? Yeah, honestly, it goes back to that same incident where I ended up giving refunds out of my own pocket. The biggest mistake I made is why I just pursued something strictly for the money. That was my only criterion. It had, had, had zero interest in who was I going to serve? How was I solving a problem? It was just, this is cool. I can sell it and I'll make a lot. And I did. And, uh, and it was a disaster. And, but it, it, uh, it laid the foundations for a great life that we have now. So, okay, that's, that's excellent. That, that really is that foundation. And so I want to kind of then segue a little bit. And um, how old are you now, Sid? I know I'm not supposed to maybe ask that for many people, but how old are you? That's okay. I'm 53. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, great. I turned 54 in just a few days from now, but that's, that's, that's another day for another conversation. So probably a little older than you, maybe, I don't know. Um, But if you had a chance to sit across the table from the 20 year old version of Sid, mm. and if you could get him to listen to you, <laughs> right? that would be the thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if the 20 year old Sid would listen to the 53 year old Sid, what would today's version of you say to the 20 year old version of you? What advice and input would you give him? I would give him a particular piece of advice is based on this. When I was in my twenties, I had a parade of high profile, high octane mentors that rolled into my life that wanted to take me under their wing and teach me. And I said, I will do it on my own. I was raised as a solo cowboy. I was, you know, John Wayne gonna do it all myself. So I would shake that kid if he would listen and say, find a mentor and just learn from them. Because they say, they say experience is the best teacher, but honestly, Ray, none of us have that kind of time to learn all you can learn by experience. Okay. That, that's excellent. In fact, I think, Sid, that's a perfect, perfect transition point to, if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about this 1 million cups and this uh, 80-20 service business and the things you've got going on. Um, sure. This whole idea of creating environments for entrepreneurism and mentorship and encouragement. Tell us a little bit about what life outside of your standard businesses that you have looks like, what, what you're passionate about, what you're doing to address these issues. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I love to say I have a big passion for small business yeah. <clears throat> because there's there's a whole lot more small businesses than there are huge businesses. And most of the big ones started small anyway. But when someone takes the time and the energy and that leap of faith to build something where nothing existed before, that's worth celebrating. That's a that's a huge accomplishment, even if it's a guy that is going to be, you know, he starts his own janitorial company and he's the one cleaning late at night. Like he's doing something that He's building from scratch. So like with 1 million cups, as we mentioned, that's part of the, uh, the Kauffman Foundation. And they, we, we, there are chapters across the country, but what we do is we provide a platform and a, a place where people can gather that 
are starting their own businesses. They have, you know, everybody that started their own business has a growth challenge somewhere along the way. So we assemble a community that has, that has mentors, experienced men and women, and then young people with a lot of energy. And we give them the opportunity to present their business and to get feedback, to get Q&A, and we connect them with resources in the community to help them grow. So we, what we're doing is growing an entrepreneurial ecosystem so that the rising tide lifts all ships. And so what, what does that look like, like in actuality, uh, programmatically or logistically? Is it a, yeah. is it a course? Is it a, a gathering, a series of workshops? Is it a podcast? What, what does that look like in this, in this, in this process? For One Million Cups in particular, um, it's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. We have two small business or two entrepreneurs or two startups come and present or pitch their business. It's not a pitch to get investors or anything. It's they're just presenting their business and getting practice doing that. Um, and then with the, with the community we've developed, we'll have 25, 35 people there that listen to their presentation. And then we ask all kinds of questions like, what's your business model? How are you marketing? What are you, you know, and help them see around corners that things that they may not have thought about. So a lot of times when you start something new, if you're, especially if you're like me, I'm eternally optimistic. I'm like, this will work. It doesn't matter. We don't need a boat to cross this ocean. Just go. And that, you know, there are some practical things that are good to know. And that's what we try to do for the new entrepreneur, but we want to be there to provide encouragement. I loved what you said earlier, about you're either building it up or you're tearing it down. We used to teach our kids that we taught them the word edify. Oh yeah. Edify is to build up. It's like you're building them up or you're tearing them down. And we want to be in the business of building people up so we can help them reach the next level. So you can help them reach the freedom because it's interesting. And you probably know this, that when, when you're struggling to make ends meet, it can be hard to think about God. Like, you're like I don't know where my next meal is coming from. You're like, where's God when I need him? I mean, that's a natural human nature kind of thought to have. So we want to help people rise up so they can help the next people rise up. That's so true. In a previous business that I discovered as an entrepreneur myself, that my banker was, I don't know how this and why this worked, but it was true. He, he or she was just much more interested and willing to allow me to share my testimony when I was current on my covenants and payments with them. My, <laughs> my, my employees just seem to be much more willing to allow me to share my faith with them when their paychecks actually cashed. And, yeah. you know, it's those kinds of things, right? And so uh, I think that's critical. I think that's important. So as you're in your experience in these uh, startups and these young entrepreneurs and, and probably even older folks who may be starting new businesses as well, I mm-hmm. would assume, What's a mistake that you see occurring over and over again that if, if they could just get this right, it would probably enhance their chance of success? Because somewhere in there, somebody's listening to this right now that's probably making a very similar mistake. So what are you seeing and, 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 and how can they address that big mistake that you're seeing over again? One thing from a marketplace perspective, and this happens a lot, is people come up with an idea and they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. Everybody needs you know, an, an orange peeler that's made out of an old soda can. You're like, maybe nobody really needs that, but they think they're really passionate about it. And then they build a thousand of them and then they go, you know, see if you build it, there will come. And then nobody shows up except a few family members like, yeah, I'll get one because I like you. Um, actually taking the time to do a little marketplace research and find out what the market wants is a better step forward if you want to build a business that is going to provide something and be profitable. That's, that's one huge mistake. 
What else? Mm, it's funny. You mentioned, you asked me how old I am. I'm 53. So I had another thought while I was answering that question. Yeah. And I've already forgotten what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good. So, Sid, as, as we're talking about this concept of 80-20 and you're talking about, you know, being effective, what's the, what's kind of the root of that? What What's the foundation of that? Is there a spiritual element to that? Where does it come from? What, what do you really mean? I mean, we know the Pareto principle. Most of us in yeah. business have heard that. But could you elaborate on maybe the foundation or the spiritual component of that? That That's huge. Thank you. Um, you know, the 80-20 principle is roughly 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. So it's like, if you focus on the things that are really important, you get the majority of the results right now. But the real beauty of it, and I don't even know if you put it in the 80-20 category, is the power of God. It's like, when you're working really hard to make something happen, and then God pulls up an unexpected connection for you. Um, an, an example of that, when I was, when we first started our business here, we headed into winter and we were absolutely broke, destitute, started over. We're about to enter winter in Montana. And, you know, my thought is we're going to die. And uh, I'm working, I'm, but I'm not afraid of hard work. And my wife, again, I'll bring her in story. She said, she said, Sid, will you please stop trying to be God and just let God do his job? Hmm. And I was like, oh, how dare you tell me that? And uh, she said, I'm going to pray. And she just thank God for a solution. She didn't say thank you for a solution and make sure it follows ABC. Like she just thanked him for an answer. Well, little did I know across town, another husband and wife were having the exact same conversation, but their need was opposite of ours. And Beth said to Wayne, you please stop worrying about it and just let me pray. And so they prayed together. And then she like opened her eyes, said, call Sid. He can do what you need. And he's like, Sid's busy. He would never do that. So just call him. So he calls me Well, I'm on the other side of town praying for an opportunity so I can feed my family and not be homeless in the winter in Montana. And, you know, when I get the call, he needed someone to run a bread delivery business for the winter only. I needed income for the winter only, but I was at my wits end, but God connected it like that. And I've been working 20 hours a day trying to solve this problem. And in wow. an instant, so the power of God and the lever of God and the, that it's the biggest leverage you can have. And it's the law of believing and it's God himself working in a situation. And you've seen it in your life an answer to prayer. That's so miraculous. You went, I would have never figured that out in a million years. Oh, that's, that's the real 20. Yeah. That, that's so powerful. Just focusing in on, it says seek ye first, seek ye yes. first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then the back part in all these things will be added. So that, 20% of what we're, just focus on God's kingdom, and the 80% is going to come. I love it. Love it. Well, Sid, one more time before I've got just one more key question that I close every interview here at Bottom Line Faith with, but uh, just one more time, if someone's like wanting to follow up, learn more about you, what you're doing, maybe even this One Million Cups project or anything else, what's the best way for our audience to get connected with you? The, the best way for me is is our for our podcast, for our show, and it's a community that we're building it's called, it's 8020servicebusiness.com. So 8020. Um, for anybody that's interested in 1 million cops, there are chapters all across the country. I think there are 80, 180 chapters. Um, and just 1millioncups.com or Google it and you'll find that. Yeah. And wh what's behind that name, 1 million cups? That's intriguing to me. Um, it The story I was told, and this is actually, it ended up not being true, but it, it embodies it really well. So two guys were talking, they're business guys. They're having a cup of coffee together. They share ideas and they're both improved and better for it. And one says, 
hey, if we could do this a million times over, wouldn't the country, you know, wouldn't entrepreneurship be a better place in this country? So if you can get business owners and entrepreneurs to have a million cups of coffee together, not only they'd be really energetic, they'll also share ideas that will bring more value to the marketplace. I love it. That is so, so fantastic. So folks, you can uh, get connected, uh, learn more uh, with and from and about Sid at 8020servicebiz.com. Uh, servicebusiness, excuse me, dot com, 8020servicebusiness.com. Well, well, Sid, we're at, we're at that point. Uh, every one of these interviews comes to an end, uh, and uh, thank you. This has been so much fun today. I've really had a great time, got lots of notes. Our regular listeners know that I end every conversation with this question. I call it my 423 question. Uh, Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where he says, Above all else, guard your heart for from it flows all of life. It will determine the course of your life. So, Sid, let's uh, assume you have an opportunity, um, you're at the end of the, your, your time, this side of eternity, and you can gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most important to you, and you have the opportunity to pass along the single most important piece of advice that you could pass along. I'd like you to Fill in the blank now for our audience here at Bottom Line Faith and answer the question, above all else. I was kind of hoping you would not ask that on this interview, but here we go. <laughs> here we go. So it would, it would stem directly from Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. We alluded to it earlier, is that a faithful man shall abound with blessings. It's staying faithful to the truth, staying faithful to God's word staying faithful to your own honor within yourself. If you stay, if you just stay at it, you, you will reap the reward. You will abound with blessings. And as I mentioned earlier, God's track record for delivery is a hundred percent. Yeah. So that's really good. Proverbs twenty eight twenty talking about staying faithful to God, to God's truth, to God's word and those principles that he's called us to. Sid Graf. <clears throat> I want to thank you for being our guest here at Bottom Line Faith. What a fun time. What a great conversation. Uh, appreciate you just bringing the perspective of the everyday entrepreneur that's building something and, and, and living out your faith in the marketplace. I, I, I really appreciate you spending time with us at Bottom Line Faith. Thank you very much. It's it Actually, it's very much an honor. Thank you for having me on, Ray. I really appreciate it. God it's bless. good to get to meet you, too. God bless. Well, Sid, what an opportunity. Thank you for being on the program today, and uh, I'm just so grateful that you would invest the time to be with us. And folks, that story and those con that conversation with Sid is why we do this program, is uh, just like you, he's out on, in the marketplace on a daily basis living out his faith. And he's, he shared with us examples of when his faith was tested, and when by just being faithful in his faith, God just showed up in miraculous ways and continues to bless him today. And that's our encouragement to you as a Christ follower in business and in leadership, is put it out there. Live out your faith and just honor the truth and principles that you know that God is laying before you, and just watch him work mightily in your life, just as he had over the years with Sid. And so what we'd really like to do is thank you for being a regular listener here at Bottom Line Faith, and if this is your first time, we hope you're going to come back time and again. It is exciting, the people we get to talk to here. The way you can partner with us here at Bottom Line Faith to help the program is a couple of ways, actually. Uh, go online, give a review of the conversation that you've heard today or any of the other programs that you get a chance to listen to. The more 
reviews we get, the more traffic, the more exposure, and the more the program can grow. Uh, we'd also like to encourage you to check out the show notes. It's going to give you some some of the details of the conversation that you can um, review over and over again. That's a really valuable way that you can uh, get more value out of the program as well. And finally, pray. Pray that God would continue to grow this ministry. It is astounding, the stories and, and examples that we continue to hear how these conversations are encouraging Christ followers in business and in the marketplace. So I am your host here, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to live out your faith every day in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. 